I bought a Ghostbusters belt buckle this week, and the, you know the little like uh, top of the yeah. Ghostbusters symbol, the little like nubbin on top of his head. Tell me, it's poking you in the stomach. It's stabbing me in the <laughs> stomach when I sit down. I can't wear the fucking thing. I literally can't fucking wear it. I wore it one day, and I was like, nope, can't wear this until I am way skinnier. I am too fat for that belt buckle. <laughs> of the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily. Uh, and joining me this week, my partner in revolutionary crime, Bartholomew Devon. Hello, Bart. I guess that works. Hi. Uh, and uh, joining us a little later. bit later will be uh, my lovely wife, Jamie. Uh, she's going to come in to talk uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 with us, um, but she's otherwise detained at the moment so we're gonna jump in to uh have bart react to the news bart, re- bart reacts to movie news this week <laughs> um we got a couple of interesting stories here and i'll apologize in advance i probably sound like french fried butthole uh on this that recording is not something you should ever uh, say again uh, sorry but uh, <laughs> i've got you know a little little illness creeping in um my nose is all get congested your damn flu shot it's not i'm not gonna do that get your damn flu I'm shot i'm not gonna do that psa to everyone who actually listens to this podcast <laughs> Get your damn flu shots, I, I, and if you hang out with Daly, don't, because he refuses to get his damn <laughs> flu shot, and he will give you the flu. Yeah, that's possible. His wife, with whom he shares a bed, is an educator. Therefore, the flu is everywhere. That's true. And yet, here I am, flu-free since '93. I don't, I don't know if that's actually accurate. It just was. Just, it just rhymed, so I went you with it. '83. You were born in '83. I, I don't know. Have you never I, had the flu? I probably had the flu before. I just don't remember so it having happened. So what you're saying is you're an incubator. It's, yeah, for probably. new and disgusting I clues. am patient zero. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're all going to die. Great. You're welcome. You're going to have the simian flu. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh... seen this movie. Everyone dies <laughs> Everyone first. Everyone dies first. Um, well, we got a couple, uh, couple of fun stories here. Um, uh, first off, let's talk about... Uh, I want to talk about that trailer for the Peanuts movie. Um, okay. I, I was weirdly okay with this uh i was all you know ready to hate on this and be like uh what have they done 3d computer animated charlie brown unnecessary well classic animation rah rah but i i think i'm actually fine with it did you see the dr seuss movie the uh lorax I uh I did not see the Lorax. Um I did see Horton Hears a Who and I actually really like Horton Hears a Who. Okay, I haven't seen either of them. Yeah. And I'm gonna say this. Uh the animation in Hortons looked fine. Yeah. I thought for some something about it in Lorax looked weird to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I have no idea what it is, aside from the Mazda. Yeah. Um But I'll say this about Peanuts, is that it looks just fine. Looks just fine. Yeah. I appreciate the way they did it. It's, I think, as authentic as you can make it, given the change in medium. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the trailer though is crap. Oh, that that actual trailer. The actual trailer is is dung. You, you didn't like the Snoopy flying around stuff. I I like Snoopy flying around just fine, but it felt so. See, willfully. 
just like ugh. <laughs> there's not a word yeah. I, I don't know i i mean i kind of i kind of know what you mean um in that i felt like you know the idea of snoopy imagining himself the red baron flying around like that was like that's vintage yeah no that's perfectly yeah that's <sighs> fine why is he in paris well so i think that's the thing that feels off about it is that suddenly even though Snoopy, okay, so he's rendered in 3D, but he still has that same kind of Snoop, that classic style. Like yeah. he's he's hitting literally like the class, like the classic Snoopy poses, where like his his nose is all the way up, or you know he does the dance, all that stuff. Like he still looks like himself, but it's like when you suddenly throw him in to a weird... Paris with the Eiffel Tower, he's like it's like he's in a photo real environment essentially. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it feels like Snoopy in the real world a little bit, and that's yeah, that's kind of weird and off-putting so yeah i kind of agreed when he was flying around actual buildings that something struck off to me yeah but it should be a quasi 2d environmental because that's they are drawn quasi 2d i mean their eyes for instance well yeah our lines i was gonna say their faces are still like you know charlie brown smiles it's still like that squiggly line like it's not a perfectly rendered facial expression his his little hair is yep um, I also, you know, mostly I was just happy it wasn't like, oh, let me put it on YouTube. Let me put up a YouTube video of Snoopy. Or like, oh, I'm going to Twitter my blah, blah, blah. It's like, they, they still seem like themselves. This isn't like yeah. Snoopy and the Peanuts, the, the the hot new kids or something, you know? The hot new the, kids. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the new batch. The, the next the generation. Co- the college years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, they, they still seem like themselves. I, I fully expect to have grown-ups speaking via trumpets in this movie, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, I, look, the, the, the characters remain, seem to remain intact, and that's that's... I'm kind of that seems good enough to me, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was, I thought that was a nice surprise. Uh, we've got another year for this thing to come out, and I mean, look, the other thing is, okay, so the characters all look intact. You know, who knows the char- the Peanuts movies for the most part are pretty simple, yeah, plot wise, you know, yeah, as um, well they should be. Yeah, so I, like I, that's the thing that I guess I'm curious to see because I feel like, especially so many like kids movies, it's like you've got to have a thousand flashing lights and moving pieces moving at a thousand miles an hour and it's like joke overload and you know crazy actions you know like you know action sequence or whatever um how whether that like sort of simple quiet tone will still resonate or if it's like oh though they look like themselves and they sound like themselves but now some grandiose yeah exactly you know like that's the part that i'm you know that's the only piece of the puzzle i'm waiting to see you know I don't really see. I don't want peanuts to transport me to a new world. Yeah, like and maybe that's what it was about about Lorax. That well, okay. Found... The thing about Lorax is that Lorax is like a thirty-page story, and yeah, it's no, like I know. Like I, you know, what you know, what I didn't see that I and on purpose I didn't see was uh, where the wild things are when that came out a few years ago. Oh yeah, because that that story is like ten pages. I have a copy of it around is here there, that I've is, never I, like, I have finished no idea watching. what the story of it is because there isn't much of a story in the story. I mean, I watched a little bit of it and I never finished it, uh, but I liked what I saw. It was, you know, Max and he goes to a world with monsters and stuff. And is it, the the monsters are really well 
uh, they're they're really awesomely created uh, because it's actual guys in suits. Oh, nice. um, but then their faces are animated. They're like their faces are are CG renders. So, oh. um, so so there is like a practical a practicality to like him riding on the back of this thing. It's oh. like a guy in a suit, and then but then they have really expressive faces. Oh. Um, okay. So there's it was it was kind of cool. Um, it's Spike Jones. I mean, yeah. No, I just I, never I, just, I never I was afraid of finished the plot, it. Yeah, there isn't much of a plot. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and that's what they did in Lorax. They literally had to like invent a whole backstory for the Onceler because that's a you know a nothing book, and they had to invent all of this other bullshit and yeah. create these other characters. Like the, the kid who the Onceler tells the sto- tells the story to, like they have to give him a love interest and like all of this other bullshit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, well, I don't... that stuff's not no. But but I really liked uh, Horton Here's a Who. I think that's a good one. I think that one's that one's pretty solid. So okay. What else you got? I got uh, Chris Pratt, who is, you know, we were just talking a few minutes ago about um, Guardians of the Galaxy being, like, kind of this big, kind of big surprise hit to a lot of people. Because, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, I don't know if this Mar- <coughs> this could be the one that breaks Marvel. You know, they've got this movie with a fucking tree and a raccoon, and are people nope. really going to get on board with that? And no, it's, like, wildly popular. and it's so much fun. Fun. Yeah, but Chris Pratt, I mean, is everywhere now. Um, he's he's also the lead in uh, Jurassic World. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Um, yeah, he's he's the lead in that movie. So is I'm he excited be... about that. So my my appreciation for Guardians has changed because when because now you started watching Parks and Rec. Because now I well now I've watched all of Parks and yeah. Rec. Um, aside from whatever newest season is out there. No, you're up there. You uh, you're caught up. Is there we no were talking about it the other yet? day. No, they haven't. They haven't started airing. Oh yet. well, there you go. Then. They're so, mid season. So I'm caught up. And yeah. So you know when I went in, he was just. Star Lord to me. That's yeah, all he ever was. And now you. And now he's Andy Dwyer. Uh huh. And Star Lord. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's actually way better. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but uh, so Jurassic he's, World, we'll see. You know, I'm excited about that. Uh, but he's also got a, another movie in development right now, um, which I just uh, again Bart reacts to the news. I just I'm excited to share this information with you because it's just it's just tickles me so. Oh dear. Uh, so this is based on a on a comic, and when I first heard the title, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. Uh, the comic is called uh, right now. Cowboy Ninja Viking, which as soon as I heard it, I just went, oh, cowboys versus aliens, okay, this is like all I doubt that's what whatever. it is. It sounds, it sounds like an anime to me. So here's the here's the is plot. This the here's the story. Of Cowboy Bebop or something? No, it's about a, uh, a government assassin. Uh, I think he's got like genetically engineered. He's got like fucking superpowers or some shit. But he's a he's a government assassin with multiple personality disorder, and one of his personalities is a cowboy, and one is a ninja, and one is a Viking. So he has the skills of all three. Wow! And he will perhaps be played by chris pratt like they the movie's been in development they've sort of he's attached himself to this movie and they're still they don't have a director yet they're still working on the script but chris pratt would play a government assassin slash cowboy slash ninja slash viking i love all like i can easily picture him in all three of those personas oh absolutely um i'm i'm a little the only thing i'm afraid of with him is that i'm worried that we're gonna get we're gonna get chris pratt saturated Pratt, Pratt-terated? Pratt-terated? Chris Pratt-terated? Yeah. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah. He's, a, he's a very good supporting role, and he can clearly ground a franchise. Yeah. But I feel like he could also be too much. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how... I'll be curious to see what uh, 
what Jurassic World, what his character in Jurassic World is like. I think he's supposed to be like a because Jurassic World is set in a functioning uh, Jurassic Park, a, a, a theme park right, with the D, which is with, yeah with the D Rex. Yeah, exactly. Which is it's been open for a while and people go there and shit. So I think he's supposed to be kind of like the Muldoon type character, like the game warden Muldoon's guy. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he's. I'm sure he'll be fucking you know fun i'm sure he'll be funny but i don't think he's playing like a goofball character yeah um he is a goofball yeah i'm pretty sure that in real life he is a goofball right but he's also like you know he pulls off stuff like uh zero dark 30 he's really good in zero dark 30 and yeah he's a little comic reliefy but you know he's also he's also a fucking navy seal in that movie um Mm. he was also really great seen that one either he's also really great in moneyball um apparently my chris pratt uh yeah, you, you're missing out on the Chris Pratt, Pratt experience. Yeah, um, he, I mean, and Moneyball, he, again, he's also it's, it's, kind it's, it's, of comic it's like relief. like a ride at Disneyland. I know, right? The Chris Pratt experience. <laughs> just, they just make you dance. Yeah. It's one of those ones in 5D, you have to wear the goggles and they yeah. squirt water into your face and you smell weird things. Yeah. Gross. Yep, uh-huh. That sounds like a Chris Pratt experience. My favorite thing, my, like, the, if I could just have, like, one Chris Pratt thing on a loop, it's... Um, like all of the bits from Parks and Rec, where like Andy Dwyer acts out a whole movie by himself, mm-hmm. like Andy Andy Dwyer explains the the plot to, to yeah Lethal Weapon or uh, what is it Sudden Death? The one with Jean Claude Van Damme in the hockey rink. That's like my favorite thing in that ever that show's history. It's so great. So speaking of uh, interesting uh, project pairings here, um, there's uh, been this. Uh, Highlander remake in development for ages now. Oh, good. Um, and we, we were kind of joking about Highlander last week, um, but yeah, they've been they've been trying to remake the Highlander for a long time. Yeah. Because um, and again, we, you know, we were talking about it last week. There's there were all those movies. There were a TV show. I think there were two TV shows. Um, Ooh, I think there a... were a couple of. Spin- I think there was a spinoff of really? that show of, of the Chris Lambert one. I, I think so. Oh. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there. I mean, there's been all kinds of, and then it's just been kind of dead for a while. Um, well, there can be only one, and he's laying low. That is true. Um, so, so they're trying to remake. Uh, Which, by the way, if you Highlander. think about it, is a really bad premise. What Highlander? No, there no, can no. Be only one. There can be only one because that's sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy. It's me like at some point this franchise is going to die <laughs> because there's only going to be one left. There's going to be no antagonist. Well, Sorry. I guess, but still, it's still great, though. I know, but you see, what I I'm would saying. love to go through the the Highlander movies. I haven't. But, oh, I mean, like, oh god, well, because they have such a weird fucking like everything twisted story. Like where they made one where they tried to just retcon the entire plot of the franchise, and then it was dumb, so they like recut it so that to get rid of all of that stuff and to like shoehorn it back into the actual franchise history. I don't even it's know. crazy. Yeah, they, they made, like, the Highlander 2, like, there's one version where they're all, like, all the Highlanders are aliens, basically. They try to explain all the Highlanders, all the immortals as being, like, extraterrestrials. And it's, like, set in the far future with, like, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Is Danny's And there? then it's not. I don't know. It's so weird. Um, it should be. But, uh, no, so they, so they're, they, they want to remake Highlander. We, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a Connor McLeod. Um, they don't have a director. They've, you know, they've been bouncing a couple of people off the script, but this week the story came out that apparently they are pursuing for the Sean Connery yeah, uh, mentor yeah. role. Oh no. T- 
Tom Cruise. <laughs> Bart is hanging his head. Uh, there's a single tear rolling down his cheek. <laughs> there can be only one. There can be only t- There can be only Cruise. Can be only one tear. <laughs> Just come up with something new, huh? <laughs> Don't, like, ruin all the old stuff that was cool. Oh, hey, man, it's, like I said, it's just sitting around not making anybody any money, you know? Re-release the old one! Yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta, re, you gotta redo the whole thing, you know? I don't wanna you know? rejigger everything. You gotta, re, you gotta rejigger. I don't know if Tom Cruise takes that role. I hope he doesn't. I, I hope that he has the good sense not to. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, he hasn't... Tom Cruise has managed to be a supporting role once in his whole life. Yeah. And that was in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, but and that's And that like even there he kind of ran away with it. Oh no, he stole he steals that movie. And essentially it's like a cameo. He's got like three scenes in that movie. Right. They're just amazing scenes, you know? And that's the thing. I don't remember the last time he was like a legit just straight up supporting character in a movie like that. Because his ego is the size of a planet. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know if he, that would, that would, I feel like that would mark a serious shift in his career, especially considering that, you know, his last couple of big, you know, tentpole movies have not really performed, even though I think they're pretty good, you know, Oblivion and uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tom- no, what's it called now? Well, now it's Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. Um, the the DVD, the Blu-ray literally says both titles on it. We red boxed it. I have it over there, and it literally has both titles on it. Fair enough. Um, but it says "Live, Die, Repeat" in huge letters, and then "Edge of Tomorrow" in small letters underneath. Cool. And I really like that movie. I think it's got some third act problems, but I really like that movie a lot. And I think Oblivion is not great, but it's perfectly serviceable. Um, so I mean, I, you know, coming off of those kind of what else, what disappointing performances. I mean, see him take a strong supporting role in a major franchise like that, I, I would be shocked. Because I don't know if there's, you know, really... Not that he couldn't come back from that, He needs but... to take some take some pointers from Sammy J. Sammy J doesn't front-run... He's not the front-runner in anything anymore. That's ever. true. But he's... But he's this like a supporting role in everything. <laughs> there is nothing that guy won't do for a paycheck. That's like, true. It's astonishing, and I love it. He yeah. needs a Lifetime Achievement Award, Best Supporting Lifetime. Yeah, Tom Cruise is going to start doing Capital One commercials. Uh, that's where this is going to end. That's the end of this road. Oh, my God. <laughs> what's in your wallet? He'll just, they'll just hey, dress hey, him up. Hey, what's in your wallet? <laughs> Gross. I think uh, it's looking like we're probably going to get our first uh, – and I know you're not excited about this, but oh. I think we're going to get our first uh, teaser for uh, Star Wars soon. Oh, I'm um, excited about that. I'm just uh, nervous about it. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm anxious about it is what I am. There was a... It's a form of excitement. Yeah. No, well, yeah, Anxiety. No, that's, fair. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a gift that's been bouncing around for the last, like, two days. Um, and it's, like, I think it's from... I think it came off of Vine. But it's literally... It's just, like, six seconds of... I don't understand the, what Vine is. It's just short videos. No, I mean, I know fine. what it is, but, like... What what purpose does it serve it's in so the world? It's so stupid. We 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 can watch whole movie. We can stream whole movies. Why do I mean I the know. gif I get? Like, yeah, like 
I love a good gift. Yeah, me too, man. But but in fact, I the have, only vine I've ever liked is the one with the llama. I have chosen. I've uh, seen that one. I've given up on emojis. Uh, I mean, I was never really on board with emojis, but my phone now has a gift keyboard. So rather than send people emojis, I would much rather send them like meme gifts. That's oh, way yeah. more entertaining. Well, you know, That's way better. Yeah, no, gifts are. You can have gift wars. Those are awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but it's all it's, of uh, my closest friends. I guess now including you, yeah. have like a bank of like evil gifts like, <laughs> ready to go at a moment's well, notice. Well, I only have them on my phone though. Like if yeah. I'm actually on my computer, I don't know where to go to get gifts. I'm terrible, but I'm no, I, I don't. I, I, I am not. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm bad at that shit. So, um, but uh, there's a gift going around. Been going around for the last like day or two, and it's just a shot of the Millennium Falcon like flying straight at the camera while shooting blasters. And it's not from anything. It's new. It well, we we suspect that it's new uh, because it's got a the little uh, deflector dish on top of the Millennium Falcon. Remember mm-hmm. the little sat like yeah. little radar dish yeah. that gets knocked off at the yeah, end of yeah. uh, Jedi. Yeah. Well, uh, there had been stories and pictures of the new Millennium Falcon, like from the set, yeah. um, and that it has now a new dish and it's rectangular. Yeah. Um, and so this gift has the rectangular dish on it. Uh, which is why that is people think that it's the new one. That is literally the nerdiest thing you've ever said to me. Uh-huh. And I've known you for a very long time. Yep, that's true. Wow. Um, but th- I, I've heard that that's basically – that there's – I read a potential description of what the first teaser is going to look like. Um, and it sounded – I think it's mostly just sort of like some some voiceover and like some shots of the characters. Um, and, then, and then the Falcon flying straight at the camera and – the title basically that's not a trailer no it's a teaser it's not even a teaser no, no, i think that's a fine teaser if you get to see each of the characters for like a quick you know just like hey there's old there's old luke skywalker oh, there's right. old han solo you well, know like okay fine that's kind of that's kind of fun that's kind of all know, it needs to I be i don't think that no i mean well, i guess it i mean a we're a, we're a, we're a ways out from this movie i know you know i know we're but about I mean, a, like i want we're a year out I basically it's next christmas something yeah and that's not going to give me anything. Yeah. The the last bit that I had here is uh, some casting, mm. some some comic book casting news. All right. All right. So there are two sort of different uh, comic projects that are starting to cast up both uh, female, young female roles, uh, and both pretty significant. Um, so the first is uh, Marvel's Netflix series, uh, oh, Jessica right. Jones. So they've got their Daredevil show that's already filming right now, yep. um, and that's going to be the first one to hit. But the next one to come is uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, now, Jessica Jones is the sort of backstory of that character. She's a former superhero who sort of gave up the, the superhero life. Um, I don't know if she has powers or not still. I don't know if she gets depowered or if she just gives up on being a superhero and decides to be a private investigator instead. So, again, like, in, you know, fitting with that Marvel, that varied tones of the Marvel Universe thing, like, I would love this to be, like, a really cool, fun, like, noir yeah. PI-type show with a, you know, badass female detective. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that's, that's certainly a, a, a genre that Marvel hasn't really hit yet, and I'd love to see them do that with, yeah. with Jessica Jones. Um, so there are uh, four actresses that they've got on their sort of short list right now that are testing for the role. Yeah. Um, the first is uh, Kristen Ritter. Um, I remember her. 
She was in the uh, she's in Veronica Mars. Oh. She was on that ABC show. Don't trust Breaking the Bad, bitch man. in twenty three. I haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, so oh. I can't I can't speak to that. She's in Breaking I know Bad. it's she's terrible. It's on Breaking my Bad. list. Um, the also on that list is uh, a girl named Jessica DeGau, um, who I only know her from. Uh, she's on Arrow as the Huntress, and yeah. she's very attractive and basically like made of cardboard like she she's just very wooden there was not like much to her performance so Fair she's enough. sort of the person i you know least excited about i guess there's also teresa palmer i really like teresa palmer um as a rule like she's just an actress who i've always kind of liked um she's really good in uh warm bodies which was like the zombie romance movie oh was that any good yeah it's actually it's actually very good um i'm a, i'm actually a big fan of that movie um it's like a lot i think the easy comparison was like oh it's like twilight with zombies because it's like a girl human girl who falls in love with a zombie guy Twilight not have something no twilight is werewolves and vampires so i thought um, that was underworld that's also werewolves and vampires okay yeah exactly um but I, i i think she's i think she's always She's someone I've always liked. Like every time she shows up in something, I think she always does good work, and I'm always ex- happy to see her. But she's never, she hasn't had a project that has really like hit big yet, mm. you know. Um, and she's been in some like you know major movies that just sort of didn't go anywhere, or like movies where it's like, oh, like she was in that, uh, she was the the love interest in that uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice movie that Disney made, where Nicolas Cage, oh right, uh, and Jay Baruchel. Um, oh which is like, look, that's a movie they spent a shitload of money on, and Did they, they certainly really? marketed it. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it good? didn't. I mean, it's not good. Okay, it's not good. I mean, Nicholas Cage plays a sorcerer. That's well, that's good. That's fun. Um, but the, other than the that, Ghost Rider. Yeah, those. Hold on, who put out the Ghost Rider movies? That's Sony. Oh, okay. the, that was when Marvel didn't have the right. They had sold off the rights to the character. Do they they have, they have a back now. I think. Oh, they have Ghost Rider back. They got Daredevil back, and I think they got Ghost Rider back. Uh, and I think there was some, there was another big character they got back, and I don't remember who. Punisher. Uh, yeah, I think they got Punisher back. They may have gotten Punisher back. Um, but yeah, so they've gotten th- that. Yeah, they they own Ghost Rider again, but that was Sony at the time. Hmm. Um, so Christian Ritter, Teresa Palma, Jessica DeGau, and then the one that I'm really excited about is uh, Alexandra Daddario. Um, she is just phenomenally talented. Uh, she was in True Detective. She was Woody Harrelson's like girlfriend on True Detective. Okay. Um, she was in. Uh, she, she's had a little taste of the franchise. She was in those. Uh, were they Percy Jackson movies where it's like mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. teens and the Greek mythology? Were those um, any good? I, I, no, not really. I mean, I, I saw the first one. I did not see the second one. Um, I have weird they're not very good. Of my mom telling me about those. Yeah, I don't think she saw them, but I think she wanted to, and I was like, really? <laughs> there are like some fun bits in those because they like all of the they're the movies about like teenagers, but all of the adults are like stunt cast. So. Um, oh. There, so there are really there's some fun cameos from Grown Up. The second one I didn't see, but the second one has Nathan Fillion, uh, and I think he plays Hermes. Um, Weird, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, there's 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 lots of fun fun cameos from Grown Ups in those movies. Um, but yeah, uh, I think she's I think she's uh, super talented. I mean, she's also super hot. Um, but I think she's got 
and each of these actresses i think kind of bring something different to the table you know mm-hmm. um I, I think she would be like i would buy her both as like the hard-nosed detective um and as you know someone who can really kind of bring bring some drama to the role um, she could do she could do some real heavy lifting, and I like Christian Ritter a lot, and I like Teresa Palmer a lot. Um, I think they're I think they're really fun, um, but Daddario is like on another plane from those other those two other actresses. Um, so I'm I'm I really hope that it, they go with her. I really hope that works out. That would make me super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other interesting thing about this is that uh, you know one of the other Netflix series that they're doing is Luke Cage, um, and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones have a relationship, and I think there's there's one storyline in which they have they, they have a kid. Oh, um, so they're going to introduce. Wait, how are they, they going to do? Uh, if they're going to do Luke Cage, are they going to have to do uh, what's his name? Iron Fist. Is that yeah, right? it's Luke. It's uh, the four Netflix series are Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then they come together in a crossover called The Defenders. The Defenders. The Defenders. Oh. Um, and and how that'll all plug into the larger Marvel universe and Agents of Shield and the movies is like, I don't know. Well, we'll that sort of remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get Luke Cage will get introduced on the Jessica Jones series um, before getting his own series later. I think he's the next one up after that. So for half a second at the very beginning of Agents of Shield and mm. the pilot, I was oh, like, yeah. is that Luke Cage? <laughs> no, With, I mean at the very a beginning. lot of people did because yeah, there's one black guy with superpowers and, and he can yeah. like punch a building. Yep, and when the building when the pilot started, that's what everyone's like. Ooh, is that guy playing Luke Cage? That'd be awesome. Uh, and I like that guy too. And, that actor is pretty fun. Yeah, no, um, something something I don't know. What yeah, he does some, end up to be some, s- some weird Gene Roddenberry after Earth he caterpillar does, arm thing. Yeah, yeah, no, he does end up being somebody kind of fun. Deathlock. So. He ends up being Deathlock. You, you can see you've already had everything spoiled for you. Well, because they show... Listen, it's a comic book-based world. Yeah. You can't show the guy's name and then have me not look it up. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even look up the guy's name at it's the like time. like his name, Matthew Peterson. I was like, who's Matthew Peterson? Google. Oh, it's Deathlock. There you go. Not that I know anything about Deathlock. I read a I like, couple I like of the Deathlocks. Name, the, the name is familiar, but yeah. I don't know anything about him. He's So fun. I'm going to let it play out. He's. I think he's only... He's only decently well realized on on the show. I mean, we talked about this earlier. So you're just starting Agents of I Shield now. You literally watched, watched the pilot, just the pilot, um, and you know the show doesn't really hit its stride until late in the first season, and even really properly until the second season. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's fine. I'm I'm willing to give that show. I like the whole Marvel universe so much. I'm willing to give that show rope to see where it goes. It's so this, it's I mean it's the supporting cast. Yeah. Um, the last... I'll hold on for a while. The last uh, bit here, uh, and again, this is more casting stuff, is for uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Um, and we talked about this when we saw Days of Future Past about, um, you know, basically, oh, okay, so we got to see, uh, you know, Cyclops and Jean Grey and Storm, like all these characters, and like, okay, and they're but they're going to, this franchise is going to keep progressing you know, in period, in in the past, as period movies, so... Well, I mean, maybe? Well, no, Apocalypse is set in the 80s. Right, no, we know that, Yeah, but then you've got not that many more decades. Well, yeah, where you go from there sort of remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, this next one will have a young Jean Grey, and it will have a young Scott Summers. Uh, I don't know if it'll have a young Storm yet. I sort of suspect if we're going to get 
Jean Grey and Cyclops, I suspect we'll get the Storm old as standard well. Standard X Men, yeah. Blue Team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but they're casting. Uh, I, pre- for... I presume Jackman's still around. Yeah, I, I. Well, I don't know if we're gonna get him in Apocalypse. In Apocalypse or not? Because um, the thing is, I mean, we're sticking with the first class people. Like it's the first class era cast. We're not. We're done with Patrick Stewart and that right. generation. It was sort of like they get that sort of unique opportunity for the crossover, and that was kind of it. So um, this, you know, Apocalypse is going to stick with Fassbender and McAvoy well, cause, and I mean, Jennifer there's Lawrence. Because I mean, there's that whole weird storyline with well, with several characters in Apocalypse actually. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, no, X, uh, Wolverine has a very strong role in Apocalypse, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah. you know, if they went with him again. Um, but I, I don't think they've said whether they whether he signed on or not. Um, but we are going to get a young another young Cyclops. I've heard they want to go with an unknown for the for the role of Good. Cyclops. Yeah, Good for them. I think Jesus. it's great. So they've got some guys who like a couple a couple of British guys who have done some British TV work um, British. and. They're gonna make him. They're gonna make well, English Cyclops. Uh, no, or is he gonna cover? No, him? he'll be American. I just go with a British actor. Um, okay. The, uh, the one guy who's on a, a new pilot this year that I haven't watched. Um, so, Gene Gray though, they really want to go with a name. They want to go with like a big name. Um, but they're still skewing young. So, mm. um, so here are the here are the three names that they're going with for Gene Gray. And again, kind of like Jessica Jones, I think all three of these are really great choices they're just really great in really different ways okay um so the first is uh l fanning dakota fanning's little sister who dakota was in fanning just scares me well yeah but l fanning l fanning is great though she's in super eight uh she's in uh oh, all sorts of stuff that one. yeah Not that she's, I remember a lot she's the blonde it. from super eight i think she's she's marvelous i think she's just she's just wonderful um but she's got a very sort of uh fragile kind of not that she can't be like tough but you know i feel like that would if, if it was l fanning i feel like that would be the focus would be more on that like i'm afraid of my powers and uh you know well so here's a question is she theoretically supposed to grow up and become uh yeah i mean name? theoretically Famke she Jansen? should yeah she should grow up to become Famke Jansen because that's they she is part of this you know I mean, that was the thing with Days of Future right, Past. Right. They had the opportunity to basically strike that future from the record and just keep Hugh Jackman as a yeah. sort of weird crossover. But no, they brought they went out of their way to bring everybody back. So that means that all of those guys are still canon for Apocalypse. Right. And so they have to grow up and become them. Yeah. Which mean and they have to be them in ten years. Yeah. Because but, that's when the first well, well, they, fifteen years. They don't really though, is the thing. Like Well, they have to they should vaguely look like them. Yeah. But the the they don't. They have to become like theoretically. They would become those actors, those actresses. Yes. But Days of Future Past wiped the actual continuity, the plots of the three X Men no, movies no, off yeah. the map. Which so is, which is yeah. Good, which is so fine. the no, characters. No, have to, I'm saying they need to look like the actors. Right. Yeah. Theoretically, exactly. that's true. Yeah. But the characters, they can really rewrite the characters if they want to, to a to a certain degree. Right. You know, um, they well, could make you know scott summer's less of a dick if they wanted or they can make him more of a dick if they wanted like they can sort of play with who well, the who the characters a are a lot if we so. i i hope that and i i expect gene gray will be the character they sort of screw around with the most because like they're not necessarily beholden to the like oh we wiped her brain when she was a kid and we locked away the dark phoenix as like a separate personality like they could really play with how the like gene gray versus the phoenix thing like 
how, how that affects her personality. They could totally go in a different direction with that, which yeah. would be fun. I don't know. Maybe it'd be more fun if they went the other way. What? Like, like, like the, the traditional Phoenix the, way. The space Phoenix? Yes, the Shi'ar stuff. Yeah. Because that's stuff's all crazy. Yeah. Um, so so Elf, I don't know. Elf Fanning is one name. I hope if we get another rogue, yeah, we fucking get proper rogue this time. Though I don't know how they would do that either. They'd have to just give her her normal powers. Yeah, I don't know, man. They certainly can't have her take them from Captain Marvel. This uh, time. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so Elf Fanning is one name. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is the other name. Uh, Haley Steinfeld from uh, the True Grit remake. That was sort of her big, her big star making turn. She was also in Ender's Game. Uh, she's been she's been in a bunch of stuff. I, I like her a lot too, but she's also got more of a, uh, you know, again, very different direction from Fanning. She's got more of a kind of strong, uh, like assured mm. vibe to her. Like uh, I feel like she would sort of play up the intellectual, like the Jean Grayness, you know, mm. um, with just sort of like hints of perhaps that darkness. Um, the third name. I'm very excited. He's doing about a little it. dance. Here. I'm doing a little dance. The third name, yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz. Hit Girl. Yeah. Hit Girl could be Jean Grey. That's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, too, she's too short. Oh, I mean, I don't care about that. I really, I, I really don't care about that. She can be taller later. It's fine. You can shoot around it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing. I feel like if you go with chloe moretz who has been not only hit girl but also carrie you know she was carrie she was in the she was carrie in the carrie remake oh i didn't know you know i feel like if you go with chloe moretz it's you're really basically saying hey we're we're gonna go all all out phoenix at some point you know i mean like she's got that like crazy streak in her you know so i mean that feels like you don't cast her if there isn't gonna be like some real dark phoenix shit going on at some point if you're not going to utilize that part of her or if you're not going to lean on that part of the character in this interpretation yeah i don't know i mean i i think she's great yeah. i don't know if she's right for that that's fair i mean i yeah i like i don't i'm also curious to see how much they feel like they need to stay beholden to mm-hmm. like the famka of it all you know like if they really care about the fact that they're supposed to Is be these other actors term? yeah exactly the famka of, of it all uh, I, I don't i don't know how much they're gonna feel like they really need to live up to that particular legacy i think they're gonna kind of feel like yeah well whatever she they technically they're that but who cares you know yeah um i also don't think we're necessarily gonna get bald mcavoy in this movie so i mean maybe but i don't know yeah they kind of he's got to lose his hair at some point at some point right (laughs) i mean i don't know man um well that's that's about all i have for the news i think uh i think it's i think it's time for for some hunger games welcome jamie hello hello jamie hello welcome to the show thank you uh so i want to i want to go to you first because you're the only one of us who's read these books the book Mm -hmm. is in hand so uh you know bart and i can can judge these movies based uh, you know as movies um but i want to know i want to know as a as a big fan of these books i want to know how how you feel about this as an as an adaptation of of the book um i think it does its job very well I think it's loyal in the places it needs to be and yeah. different in the places that it needs to be. Okay. Um, so, this, I don't like going first. 
Um, it's well, here, too me, open-ended of a question. Well, let me give you no. Let me give you a question then. What was there anything uh, in the book that wasn't in the movie that you really missed? Um, and keep in mind again that since we haven't read these books, uh, you know, try not to be spoilery right. for their one movie yet to come. Um, I don't think. Are you talking across the whole series? No, I'm talking about this movie. Okay, I don't think they left out any specific plot details mm-hmm. that you needed like there's nothing specific plot wise i missed um they don't do all the characters justice yeah. in a way that's to be expected you can't you don't have enough time sure but i feel like certain characters get short shrift i mean we talked about this a little like finnick doesn't really come across very well in this movie yeah, in he particular. Feels ver- he feels very squirrely for the first half of the movie. Yeah, uh, Daly, so like, Daly was convinced so... he was going to turn out to be a traitor. Yeah, I was totally convinced. <laughs> he was. He had traitor face for the whole first half of the movie. Uh, and then, like, that weird nervous monologue that he gives during the... Uh, about poison during... while the, you know, the marine guys yeah. are breaking in to rescue everybody. I kept waiting for him to, like suddenly reveal on TV that he was working for the Capitol the whole time. Which is a shame, because I feel like that moment is supposed to be a nice payoff for him, because I remember, you know, fairly recently we watched Catching Fire with Bart, who yeah. had never seen it, mm-hmm. and I remember you kind of chuckled at a few of Finnick's lines in that, like, especially when, you know, he says, I haven't dealt with anything as common as money in, in a while, and she says, oh, then how do people pay for the pleasure of your company? And he says, secrets. And <laughs> yeah. you kind of chuckled at all that, and in my head I'm thinking, well, like, no, rid- there's such a payoff to that later. That's fair, but, but I mean, it's at like, the time it is a ridiculous yes. line. Yeah. But so I felt like, unfortunately, the payoff got a little squandered because that's where you're supposed to find out. On the one hand, it's very tragic. Like, the Finnick you're introduced to, this, like, preening peacock playboy, is not really who he is at all. Like, you find out, you know, that he's been yeah. sold, essentially, to all of these people. Like, he's not a playboy by choice. He And he was the youngest winner ever. He was 14 when he won his games. And for the what, 10 years since then, he's basically just been, like, Pimped sold around, around yeah, to yeah. these women um, who just want to be with him because he's attractive. And he's... The way he has dealt with that and the way he has tried to gain the up. Like, you get these little hints of just how terribly the capital treats its victors. Like, you think being a victor is supposed to be this wonderful thing where you're supposed to live in the lap of luxury. But on top of the fact that you had to kill all these people to get there, and that has left everyone with crazy PTSD, you get the hints of just how badly they've been treated. You know, there's a reason Hamish is like an irredeemable alcoholic. Yeah. There is a reason that those other two victors became addicted to morphling, you know. Um, Joanna says there's no one left that I love, and you get the hint that the capital has killed everyone she loves, you know. Um, Finnick, the one way he's tried to get an upper hand here is he has started convincing people to tell him all this stuff. And he's basically just been sitting on these secrets until the moment was right where he could use them against people. He knows everything about everybody, all the terrible things they've ever done. And so it's a shame that that kind of gets lost in the cross-cutting, right. you know. Um, well, was there anything uh, – were there any stuff – was there any stuff in the movie that I guess like inventions of the movie that were not in the book? Um, or anything that sort of caught you by surprise? Not – well, the one thing, and I meant to look this up before because I mentioned this to you. I honestly don't – because they specifically say in the movie that 13 is military. And yeah. I don't think they were in the book. I And I'm going to – 
flip through it while y'all are talking later, but I think they were just uranium miners. And so yeah. I think they we're had... miners. Yeah, I think they... Oh, which is why they have un- all that underground stuff. stuff. And that's why the Capitol left them alone, because 13 could have nuked them out of existence if they wanted to. Because they have you know? all the uranium. <laughs> yeah, so that's why the Capitol mostly left them alone. It was basically like an unspoken, like, you just sit underground and we'll leave you alone and you leave us alone kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they were military. I don't think that was, like, what they were known for. But I could be wrong about that, and I want to look it up. Um, it's also been 75 years since yes. they were going. Like they, so, so they, they are the survivors of that last yeah. rebellion. So it's been 75 years. And actually, I like that they had that sort of line early on, the war never stopped for us. Mm-hmm. The idea that these guys have basically just been sitting in this bunker, stockpiling stuff and training themselves and, like, getting themselves ready for three quarters of a century. And as Prim said, they were pretty well decimated by, like, disease and stuff for a while. So there's a reason also why they haven't fought back in 75 years, you know. Um, I don't think there were any particular inventions. They changed it structurally in ways that I think were good. Uh, I told Daly, I love the events of Mockingjay. The one thing I really don't like about Mockingjay, the book, is the structure, which mostly has stuff starts to happen Katniss is like knocked unconscious for one reason or another there's a time break and then there's like a character who has to like tell her what happened while she was unconscious so like a lot (laughs) always a good storytelling so like a lot of the action in the book isn't primary it's like recounted to Katniss after she regains consciousness you know so that's a very annoying plot structure and it makes her very passive um or she just doesn't know about certain things. Like in the book, they're not able to watch the rescue of Peta and Joanna at all. Okay. Like in the movie, it cuts out slightly, and so they don't actually know if they were successfully rescued. Right, right, right. But in the book, they really don't know. They leave, and then everyone just sits around waiting until they re-enter 13 airspace and are like, we have them, we're back, it's successful, and Katniss and Finnick just sit around being mopey and tying knots the whole time while they wait. Does the reader know, at least? like, So it doesn't cut to any of that? Because the book, all three of the books stay with Katniss 100% of the time. You never know what anyone is doing unless Katniss is there. Present to see it. Okay. Because I was going to say, that was actually one of the bits that, one of the scenes that I actually really liked. I thought that that scene was really well executed. Except Um, for the fact that like I said it plays over Finnick which means you're not paying attention to Finnick at all so well, I don't feel like you get any of his payoff see I disagree I was paying super close attention to Finnick because I was convinced this was going to be the moment where he revealed himself to be a traitor but I was like paying super close attention to the words coming out of his mouth <laughs> because I was expecting that usually when you cross cut something like that like a monologue with action somewhere else like you think of like the end of the godfather you know it's like what what's ha- being said over here mm-hmm. is connected to what's happening over there that's yeah. why you cut back and forth between the two so i was waiting for what he was saying to have an influence on this covert ops mission that was going on um so and i really like the way that that covert ops mission was staged you know all the the them sort of repelling down the down the tunnel there uh and you know going through all, everything was very uh, first person perspective but it wasn't crazy jerky shaky cam um all the everything bathed in red light from their like laser sights i thought that stuff was all really great yeah real quick i'm just flipping through the book and yeah all it says is 13 was the center of the capital's nuclear weapons development program all right so they have nuclear weapons yeah so, so that well was yeah they probably have so they military probably they're probably not like the army but they've got military right there. i just yeah. don't think i don't think like the peacekeepers came from there for example right i think no, the that makes peacekeepers sense. came from one and two well 
That's because the peacekeepers were clones of Django. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, okay, so that's so that's you were you came away pretty positive on it then as yeah, a, as a definitely fan of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, Bart, what as someone who did not read the books and uh, you know is coming at this a I, little a little fresher, I having have, literally just watched the second one like yeah, last week. Yeah, no, I have I have the hardest time syncing up with these movies. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why. And when we, were, when we first came out of the movie the other day, I was saying to Jessica and Lance, and I was like, I thought the reason was, um, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Because Jennifer Lawrence, and I was telling you this earlier quietly, Jamie, I'm just going to reveal myself. I was saying that it, like, her performance kind of reminds me of, um, what, what's his name? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins in the second Thor movie. He's like, I'm oh, here. Ray I'm has gonna... that weird enunciation. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just like, I'm here. I'm going to say all my lines. I'm going to just like d- phone it in. But I'm sort of bored. Yeah. And the thing is, that I don't think I was right about that. And the thing about Jennifer Lawrence is she kind of has a resting bored face. <laughs> you know what I mean? She just kind of looks bored all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I don't think necessarily lends itself well to Katniss. Or maybe it lends itself very well to Katniss. I don't know. Because I haven't read the book. Depends on how you view Katniss. Either way. I don't think it's her though, because I don't. I, she's a perfectly fine actress, you know. She's good in other things, and I totally buy her in other things. And it's which makes me think maybe it's the direction. Well, I do kind of think that in these movies she is just kind of fine. And I say this as someone who generally thinks she's extremely talented yeah. and a great actress. I do think that a lot of her stuff comes off as line readings in this in these movies. Like I, don't I feel know like sometimes, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't. Like that whole scene in Catching Fire. I said this to you before, where she um. She and Peter are trying to become friends, and they're trying to, like, get to know each other. Yeah. And they have that whole exchange of, like, okay, well, we have to tell each other the deep stuff. The deep stuff. Uh-oh. Like, what? Like, what's your favorite color? Oh, now you've stepped over the line. Like, she doesn't sound yeah. like she's in that moment at all. She sounds like they she's have, reciting well, the words have, off the script. They have no chemistry. Those two. They have no Which chemistry. is so strange, because, like, I watch a lot of the interviews, and I watch a lot of the press tour, because I'm so interested. And they in real life in the press tour seem like in real life they are legitimately best friends who love each other mm. and get along so well and have an amazing rapport like i totally believe that those two are super tight in real life and so i, I don't understand how that doesn't seem to translate in the movies because but it doesn't you realize the hilarious irony of this conversation because that's the whole basis of their relationship in these movies is them convincing yes. other people that they're, yeah, they're best, super, they're super tight, close even though it's a lie bullshit well no but she she made that same comparison in the press tour for the first movie just in terms of like this is her first big movie and her first time being like a target of the paparazzi and stuff like that and so she made that comparison of like i kind of feel like katniss like they tell me what to say and what not to say they get me all ready for the interviews and i don't like it but i have to like put on a happy face and just do it you know so but yes no i get the irony but no it does it's always strange to me when people who seem to be that close in real life somehow like can't make the sparks fly on screen i don't know what it is but i just like i can't i can't sync up it's like the gears are grinding a little i just can't and like there are moments when i absolutely can get into it and then something will happen and i'm like right back out again maybe because they do seem like doofy friends and not like people who are gonna like make out anytime soon (laughs) maybe i don't know i mean like Like, they don't seem to be attracted to each other in that way there were were moments in this movie that were that just struck me as so 
painfully on the nose and obvious. Yeah. Um, like when she sings the song, and then like a scene later, they've got like people marching out of oh, the thing. Oh, see, and that worked song. really well for I'm both like, of All us. Right, Spartacus. Oh, like, I... <laughs> come on. No, see, I was actually saying that I think that's one of the things that worked for me is I liked the structure of. Uh, you know, they make this propaganda video because it is supposed right, to be propaganda. Right. No, I know that. But so they make this propaganda it's like, video. It's just like uh, it just made me go, "Oh God, really?" See, I I, like, I mean, like, yes, you'd expect that to happen, but just some, something about the way it was staged seemed uh, it seemed very stagey. Well, like like theater stage. Theater. Okay. See, I liked it because it felt like I felt like it it did a lot to convey sort of the nature of the rebellion. Um, without having to necessarily spell it out for you. I think in it spells that, it out for well, you. No, no, no. In that, like, this is not, like, a well-oiled machine in which District 13 is sending covert orders to the other districts. Hey, I need you to take out this target, or I need you to carry out this mission. It makes it feel more like, oh, the people see these propaganda videos, they see these things, and they take it upon themselves to commit these, like, acts of defiance. That's and fine. And they shout a catchphrase or they sing a song yeah, from the video no, like I, it makes it feel like a more I'm, organic movement I'm, I'm all i'm fine with that in theory but you I just ha- didn't like how it was but out. i half expected them to break into a medley at some point <laughs> i was just like it's it just something was just so obvious yeah i do like though the way that the movies have not this is one change that i think is really good in terms of a book to movie adaptation that the movies don't stick with Katniss they haven't from the very beginning from the very first movie and I think that's fantastic I love seeing the way the rebellion is playing out in the districts and I love getting to see it firsthand because it's it's got to be so terrifying for them you know like they have everything to lose they have no protection no safety whatsoever they're not just filming propaganda videos like they're really on the line yeah Yeah. and that's so much more yeah and waves and waves of people who you know like okay we're gonna charge this dam the first like 20 deep you're you're all gonna get shot and killed you are basically sacrificial just for the greater good of trying to destroy this dam and it's so sad and it's so heartbreaking but it's like they have no other choice you know see that to me is really interesting and I think that may be part of the problem is that that's way more interesting to me than anything happening with Katniss well and that was one of my issues with this one is that what I there were so I said said to Jamie afterwards like there are two things that I really wanted to see in this movie the first was lots more Jenna Malone because I love Jenna Malone in the second movie so goddamn much I just wanted like wall to wall Jenna Malone she owns those five seconds she yeah, gets though she that glare has, while she's ripping tubes out of her face is pretty awesome facial expression in this movie and that's it because um, if you think about it from her point of view she's probably double pissed because it's like Katniss didn't really have to do anything in the arena like she didn't even know there was a plan. Right. You know, everybody else was, again, putting themselves on the line. Joanna knew about it. Joanna was, like, really fighting. And then Joanna gets captured and tortured right. while Katniss just sits around filming videos. She's probably pissed sure. at Katniss. The other thing that I... But the other thing I really wanted was uh, more of the yeah, the revolution. Like, I want to see some full, all-out rebellion, man. Uh, and I like like the two scenes. I thought they were cool, and you got like the the covert mission. That was that was a cool bit. But like, there wasn't nearly enough. Like the ratio of uh, of you know rebellion battles versus 
Katniss pensively staring out over a stream yelling was at the TV way like, out of whack for me. Yeah, I, I just... Hey, but as we said when you first made that reference to me, I was like, it could have been worse. She could have been unconscious for half of the thing. That's true. Had That's they stuck true. to the book, but you know she could have been unconscious for half the thing. If she had been unconscious, the then maybe we would have gotten more of the other stuff, which we... Well, no, you would have just gotten people telling her what happened. Um, I, I think Katniss reacts to the news. Katniss <laughs> reacts um, well, I, I mean, and I think that it's, uh, like, my fear going into this movie is, again, this is a, you know, last book split into two movies, and, you know, a little bit with uh, with Twilight, but a lot with Harry Potter. Like, the first halves, the first installments of those movies are never good. I'm still mad about the Harry Potter yeah. one. That one should have been amazing. Yeah, it's if, terrible. Like, at least a third of that movie, or not even a third, a quarter of that movie had been dealing with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, that would have been a fantastic movie, and it would have, like, created such a richer view of Dumbledore and, like, whether or not Harry can even trust him as they go on this crazy mission for all the Hollows and all the Horcruxes and everything. Oh, well. But in this movie, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I mean, my fear was that it was going to be really lopsided and it was just going to be a lot of, like, really slow like Katniss agonizing over whether or not to do stuff. That and there is, is what it was. There is there is a lot of that. But I think the stuff that works here really works. I didn't I never felt bored in this movie. Like every time that star I started to get that feeling, they would cut something to something happen. happening. Yeah. yeah. Um I think you know what would have made this movie better? I think this what would have been made better about this movie is if they made the second movie better. And by doing that, I think that they should have let the audience in that there was a plot the whole time and, and left Katniss and Peeta in the dark. Yeah. But let us know, as an audience, that there's a whole thing. So then we get more of the other characters. We well, get yeah. more universe. It's, yeah, it's... And it would motivate actions that she would have to take in the third one more. It's well, interesting. there's a part of me that really hopes, and I was saying this from before when this movie came out, but now that obviously they haven't done that because it would ruin the surprise of Peeta... I kind of hope they start the second Mockingjay with a cutback to the arena exploding and catching fire, but follow Joanna and Peta. Oh, that would be better. And see, like, how they got taken and what happened to them, what it was like for them in the Capitol being tortured, even if it's just, like, 20 minutes. And then cut back to the main action so that we have more of a grounding in what happened to them and that's so it binds them together a little bit. Because I have a whole theory. Um, It's, like, not super textually supported, but in... (laughs) No, 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 it is a bit. Those are the best kind. Those Those are the best kind. But it's one of those... No, but it's like, it is and it isn't. Just listen. I could totally write a paper about it and make you believe it. Thank you, grad school. Um, So... So... Okay. When Peter first gets picked... He, like, cries his whole way to the arena. Um, We even see it in the first movie. He's, like, sobbing in the car after they get picked, and he's, like, crying the whole way to the train station. Which, by the way, did nothing to ingratiate him with the crowd, with us, the audience. Oh, yeah, because guys can never cry. No, that's not why. Um, No, 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 because, no, 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 I mean, no, because of the juxtaposition with Gale. Wouldn't you, though? But wouldn't you? Probably. You're being sent off to die and have to kill people. I'd cry, too. 16. But I'm saying the juxtaposition of... Peta and Gale that they're setting up makes everybody like Gale more because no, he's only stupid people who have rigid understanding of gender binary. That's not even gender binary. He just seems like a nicer guy. Gale I think... seems like a nicer guy in the 
first Pete one. Pete is literally the nicest guy in the world. That's like his one thing. Oh, I don't know. Well, Niceness one, I, and cakes. And, <laughs> those are Pete's and, and things. Like, and like weird decorations in the forest. That's cakes. Yeah. I don't... I, um, no, hold on. I have to do my thing. Do your so, thing. So, so, okay. So he's like crying the whole time. And he says to Katniss at one point, he was like, I... I know that I would kill if I had to. Like, when it comes down to it, if it's me or someone else, I'm going to kill them. But I just hope I can stay who I am. And I hope they can't take that away from me. And then he eventually becomes very crafty. Like, he figures out a way to ally himself with the careers and everything, all purely to save Katniss. But he manages okay. But then it turns out once things go downhill for him, he never would have survived without Katniss. All right, fine. In the book, Catching Fire, but not in the movie, there's this whole great sequence where once all the victors are picked, they watch videos of how they won their original games. Okay. And Hamage gives them essentially like a dossier on each of the victors so that they're ready. And in Joanna's, he says that she also cried the whole time. And so everybody wrote her off. And decided she wasn't a threat. And she basically just stayed low to the ground, like, hidden for most of the games until the very end when there weren't many people left. And then it turned out she could kill viciously. And she just, like, killed everyone who was still left and she won. So I've always thought that, to me, it almost seems like Joanna is what Peta would have become without Katniss. Okay. That maybe her whole crying thing, like, Hamish describes the crying thing as though it's an act. Mm Mm-hmm. But I've always thought, like, what if it wasn't an act? What if she really was terrified and she really was crying, but then at the end of the day, when it was her and, like, three other people, and it was like, well, if you kill these three other people, you can live, that she then became this vicious killer, and that has totally changed who she's become. And she's become this, like, scary person ever since then, especially because of whatever the Capitol has done to her family since she got out. PETA was able to direct all that onto saving Katniss, so it was kind of more altruistic. You know, like, anyone he killed in the arena was to protect Katniss. Mm. And so I always have kind of felt that, like, like I said, Joanna's who PETA would have become if he had not had Katniss in the arena with him. So I feel like they're two sides of the same coin, almost. Mm. And so the fact that they're at the Capitol together, and there's a line later, it doesn't spoil anything, but, like, Joanna says, um... She basically implies that they were very close to each other the whole time they were in the Capitol, like, physically close. Like, we were cellmates, practically, and, like, we could hear – we're very familiar with each other's screams, I think is what she says. And so I see them very much as, like, doppelgangers for each other. Yeah. And so I would love, love to see how they both got captured – whether she, like, tried to protect him or something, but then they both got captured, what it was like for the two of them side by side while getting tortured, how she responded to his torture, because he's, like, the one good one. He's the one who's, like, escaped with that, and, like, he's who she could have been. Mm. And so I would love to see that. I would love it. I think you're going to be very disappointed. I know I will be, <laughs> but that's, I should control the universe. That shit is not going to be in this movie. You don't know. Um, I can virtually guarantee if you get any kind of flashback, it'll take five minutes. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I... But how good would that be? That would be very good. I mean, I, I, It'd be I guess. be so good. Don't I guess? It'd be so good. Um, I, well, I, so that's interesting, because, and we were talking about this a little bit um, in reference to sort of the passage of time in this movie, um, because let's talk about Pete's incarceration, because... And obviously we're going to be very spoilery here, um, but you know you get to the end and find out okay that he's basically been 
been brainwashed. Um, you know, they've they've injected him with venom and shit, and they've condi- fear conditioned him. He's real thin. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So so. But he's a boy, so it's all CGI. No one expects him to lose weight. Well, of course not. <laughs> um, the 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 interesting thing here, I think, is that his lot like weight loss is i think the only thing in the movie that properly denotes the actual amount of time that is supposed to have passed over the course of the movie it, the without that it just feels like yeah it's been like maybe two weeks it feels like a matter of days basically um but he becomes so malnourished so quickly and he gets you know he has that crazy that crazy violent snap at the end where as soon as he sees her he loses his shit and he tries to kill her, you know? Like, right before that, he's uh, on TV making these speeches and trying to warn her and protect her and being all emotional. So it's like, it's clear that in those, he's not putting on an act in those speeches. Like, he's he's on TV saying these things and he actually still does, you know, love her and care about her um, and that they're making him say these things. And it makes it feel like... I don't think they're making him say it. I think what you're supposed to glean from Katniss saying he's still playing the game is he's still trying to keep her alive. So that's why he's perfectly willing to go on TV and say, like, there's no way Katniss knew. There's no way. No, no, I understand that. he's still trying to keep her alive. No, no, I don't think they're making him say that. I think then once he sees her, then that's when he's like, you have to run, you have to go, and that's when he warns her, and that's when they hijack him. No, 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 but that's, it's, it's degrees of the same thing. I'm not saying that, like, they're giving him a script. I'm just saying, like, he's not saying what he thinks. Mm -hmm. Like, He's saying, oh, there shouldn't be war and there should be a ceasefire. Like, clearly he doesn't think that. Right. Clearly he's saying oh, what he needs to say in order to keep himself alive and, you know, whatever deal he's trying to make. Just like she made a deal with Snow in the last one. And that was the thing that really annoyed me, the somewhat sidebar here. That was the thing that really annoyed me in this movie the most. Is, like, everyone instantly assuming that, like, he was a terrible traitor and that he, like, sold out the cause, and I can't believe he's saying these things, and they're all, like, booing the TV. The, like, 10-year-old sitting behind us, as soon as that happened, was like, they're making him say those things, right, Mommy? I was like, yes, even the 10-year-old understands what the fuck is going on here. So, like, just watching The 10-year-old hasn't been living underground his entire life, and then you hear someone defend the people who have been kept, who have kept you this way. No, that's, it's still, I still don't buy that shit. I still don't buy that, like, no one in that room, even Gail, isn't smart enough to be like, well, whatever, they're making him say stuff. He's like, I don't care, I would never say that. Like, Fuck you, of course you would say that. You would say whatever you had to say in order to keep yourself and her alive. But I don't don't agree that people always think that way in the trenches, you know, because I feel like, you know, you think about the way politics is discussed now. It's almost an echo chamber. Like, you hear someone say something you disagree with. No one stops to, like, think about their reasoning or, like, why they might think that. You're just like, that asshole, that's bullshit. I can't believe he said that. You're so dumb. Yeah, but they know he's a prisoner being held hostage. Like, that's the thing. But he doesn't look like a prisoner. Of course he does. He's fucking malnourished. Not at first. He's in a beautiful suit, and he's sitting on a beautiful stage with Caesar. He looks like a capital boy. Yeah, no, that's fair. But even still, like, they still know he's being held hostage, though. Like, the people at 13, they saw what happened. They know what's going on. These people are not ignoramuses who are uninformed. Like, they they know what the fuck is up. Like, the fact that they still can't figure out on their own that he's saying whatever he has to or that he's being, like, 
literally i like why would they just not assume that there's not a guy three feet off camera holding a gun to his face while he's on camera saying things like i i can't i could not if it had just happened like once and like all right fine whatever but it happens like over and over again throughout the movie that people keep questioning peter's loyalty and i got so annoyed with it every well, time but if you think about it it's like what plutarch was saying in the second one like his fake plan that he tells to snow for katniss like oh you ever plan the wedding who's gonna be there what's the cake gonna look like what's the dress gonna look like you make her look like she's one of us and they will hate her yeah and so that's essentially what they're doing with Peta. you make him look like he's one of you and they will hate him yeah but i but i think the the reality is different between when that happened and when this is happening because now there is like out and out rebellion you know like i it's it's a different environment as opposed to like well people are unhappy but it's still business as usual now it's like hey they blew the fucking hunger games up on live tv and now they're burning shit down in the other districts you know like the environment is different like people i I just couldn't under couldn't wrap my head around the idea that people couldn't figure this shit out well i think part of it is and this is something that's been lost in the movies and they tried to hint at it a couple times like they tried to hint at it in catching fire when Peter put the cards down and wouldn't give effie's speech and instead he gave his own speech um they tried to hint at it in this one when they're saying to katniss like we need someone who can convince the people and she says then you should have rescued Peter." like one of the things that about Peter that has never come across in the movies is that he is supposed to be a very convincing speaker like can move a crowd to revolution with two words if he wanted like when he talks people listen like he just has a way of speaking that makes sense to people and he and it has never come across in the no, movie so i don't blame you guy. for making a He's face yeah. kind of but like that's one of trust that that's one of Peta's like primary things and that's why katniss has said the whole time like they picked her because she was the one who picked the berries and that's it and so like people latched on to her and so that's why they picked her and she keeps trying to tell them like you want Peta. Like, if you want someone who can, like, stand in these ads and make you believe what he's saying, you actually want Peter. You don't want me. And so you could believe then that they would believe what Peter's saying, even though in this case they're lies, because yeah. that is the kind of person Peter is. Like, when he says things, people believe him. Yeah. And so if he were saying, like, oh, we shouldn't fight, we shouldn't fight, it would come across as realistic and convincing, and so they would be pissed. I did I, that scene where she tries to film the propaganda video. I mean, that's that's, that's the best hilarious. Scene of it's really it's really great um, because I kind of expected to just like have them cut from like, oh, we're gonna shoot these videos, and then just like see her whatever. Like actually showing them do it and show like, no, no, she literally she can't she do this. Yeah. It's like, no, no, that actually feels totally valid. That actually feels exactly how that should play out. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, and it's interesting because you know you watch it and it's like. They've got all these crazy production values. She's on this, like, basically, like, a green screen type stage. And they've got, you know, virtual camera movements and other people in this, like, scenery. And you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, no, that looks exactly like all of the Capitol's propaganda. And that was one of the things that I really liked in the beginning half of the movie is... um, And, again, I didn't think they were being... They weren't, like, hitting you over the head with it too hard. But it was, I thought, pretty clear early on that this new movement this this rebellion wants to you know they basically they want to use her the exact same way the capital used her uh in the hunger games they want her to be a symbol they want her to be like you know the the thing that people can rally around and they can market her um and you know and but she has to play by their rules and, and like and all this stuff 
Um, and the idea sort of being that this new government, this new rebellion, is really not any necessarily any better than the old one. I mean, they might not be as totalitarian or whatever, but they're operating in the exact same way, just, you know, with a different end goal in mind, essentially. Um, I thought that was really interesting, and then it just fucking disappeared, like, halfway through the movie. They just totally dropped it, and I was really disappointed about that, because I really wanted them to, like, dig into that a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back. Yeah, I mean, and I think when you get into actual open rebellion, and, you know, assuming that they are victorious at the end of this movie, because, you know, it's a movie. um, Because they're not not going to be. Come on. Well, that time I'm using it correctly. Well, it comes to the, like... They're not not going to win. Yeah, well, I mean, and it comes to, you know, okay, do they fuck up the end game? It's like, okay, we overthrew the bad guys, but then, like, what... Do you, what system do you actually put in place? You know, like, do they become any better? Um, I'm like, not saying anything. I already know. I know you already know. So, <laughs> or do you? Um, you know what should happen. You don't know what's going. I know what to happens happen. in the book, but I, given the nature of this franchise and given the nature of YA fandom, I highly doubt. Yeah, they are not going to. They are not going to deviate very far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they might change little things. I highly doubt they'll change the ultimate yeah. outcome. And that, well, and that's the other thing. So, and I was saying, maybe they want to stretch it into another three movies. Yeah. God. Um, <laughs> Would you be that surprised? There's not that much there. Yeah. <laughs> There's one more movies worth and nothing else uh well i was curious you know i I was thinking about it that that, so there's that but it might be a unified hunger games universe (laughs) (laughs) um i was thinking about the end though uh you know there's and our audience had such a great reaction because there's that bit where so peter snaps and he attacks her um and smack the crap out of him yeah and they they knock him unconscious and the camera cuts to black and they hold it for like just a little bit longer than Normal. is expected, yeah. So and, you think the credits are about to roll? Yeah, and oh man, so many. It's like, oh no, <laughs> is that oh, it? Is it no over? Way. No way! No way! <laughs> uh, it was such a great reaction, and I was saying, and uh, then when the scene picks back up, our entire theater, <sighs> yeah. But I was, you know, I think in another ver- in another world where this is not, if this had not been a YA adaptation, if this had not been based on a book, the people could just go out and read the rest of this story like as soon as they walked out of the theater if this had been an original script i feel like you do end it there i feel like you end it with like they spend the whole movie trying to get this guy back they get him back and he as soon as he they, he gets back he just snaps and tries to kill the main character and then they knock him unconscious and then you cut to black and then you leave the audience spending a year going why did he do that what's wrong with him what's happening in this movie like that would have been such a great reaction to get out of the audience and to like leave people talking out of the theater but because it's a book it's like no 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 we'll explain we will add one more scene that explains why this is why it is and then we will pick it up from there which is like that's too it's too bad because it makes me feel like there's a great moment to be had there that we, we we kind of don't get to have because people can just go read the book seriously though i love broken Peter. like it's one of the reasons i love mocking jay so much because it's daring in general but especially in a ya book to totally shatter your like lead male love interest character and yeah. make him just like a psycho <laughs> is so bold and it's so amazing and i love it so much and mockingjay is the book that totally turned me around on Peta in general yeah like i liked Peta just fine i got annoyed when people would give him crap for not being like an alpha male because it's like dude not every guy is an alpha male nor should every guy yeah. be an al- that's an unrealistic expectation to put on you know men in general that they're all gonna be gale you know because they aren't but I never 
like if I had to be like team something, I would have been on Gale's side mostly because Gale actually knows Katniss and Gale grew up with Katniss and Peeta has just kind of liked her from afar. That's right. not the same as liking a real person. Um, but this is the book that totally turned me around on Peeta because like broken Peeta, shattered Peeta is like such a whole new ball game. Yeah. And it's so interesting watching this totally different version of Peeta. And I said to Daly, which was an inadvertent kind of spoiler when Hunger Games first got cast, um, because not thinking about the fact that if you've not read the books, you have no idea who's going to live or die from the first movie. Um, I said to you when Hutcherson was cast, I was like, he better bring it come Mockingjay. I was like, I like all I care about in terms of casting this character is their performance in Mockingjay. I don't even care what they do in the first two. Yeah. I care what he's going to do in Mockingjay. And so I am so excited to see what happens in the next one. Well, I'm really, I, I think it's interesting because of the way they've played the like love triangle element to this. Um, whereas like, you know, because you say, okay, so it's like you you were very, you were all sort of on Gail's side at the beginning and you, they sort of, you sort of feel like the book kind of wants you to be on Gail's side at the beginning. Um, I think that, you know, at this point, Gail feels like, it doesn't even feel like there's a love triangle anymore. Like they were really playing that element up well, in the first couple. I don't think that was couple. ever really supposed to be. Like, I don't think that was, so, like Katniss even tries to say multiple times in the books and in the movies, like, I don't care about romance. Like, yeah. I just don't want to die. Right. You know, like, I don't care about you guys and your feelings. No, 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 I understand. But like, you know, you, you definitely see her like, oh, she, you know, she wants to be with Gail and she says a couple times, oh, we should just run away. We should just go. But then like the more she gets drawn into the capital and all this shit, like the closer she gets pulled in with Peta, and so it really feels like well there's like you know home version and there's capital version and like she has different relationships in different ones and she's sort of pulled in different directions um by the time at this point it feels like gail is barely even a romantic interest in any way like he's just a guy who's still there and like yeah he cares about her and shit but um well- I think I think he it, he he kind of nails it in that one scene where they kiss and uh, and he, he says like oh well you just feel like I, I, I'm upset I'm yeah I'm in yeah. pain so you just feel bad about it and like that's all I like you, you only care because I'm like right in yeah. front of your face you know the it feels like they at this point have set him up as just like no he's gonna go off and do his own thing he's gonna be like rebel leader or whatever at this point I kind of expect him to get fucking killed like to sacrifice himself for the cause or whatever to save her or whatever because it feels like at this point if they did any if they didn't have her if they had her end up with gail instead of Peta, there would be riots you know like they've, they've done like they spent the whole time like setting up like like she spends this whole movie being like you need to rescue him and she spends the whole last movie being like he needs to be alive like she cares about she has demonstrated so much more like emotional attachment to get to Peta than she ever has for gail but Peta's also in more direct threat than gail ever is for the first like two thirds of the series that's fine but it also just it just means that like we don't give a shit about gail as like a romantic interest for her so i mean he plays it like a guy who gave up yeah well but i think one of the things this book series does really well is most YA books have you kind of stuck at that age you know like you're 16 when the series starts and whoever you are whatever character traits you have at the beginning of the series are the character traits you mostly have at the end of the series what I think this book Mockingjay in particular does really well is have the characters 
grow and change in ways that seem natural, both as a response to what they're going through and as the fact that they're a little bit older now. You know, like they're 17 going on 18. They're not the same people they were when the series started. Mm. And that's part of what I respect and admire about the book is like now that we're in full on war and now that we actually have to actively participate in this war – they are going to respond to it differently and they're going to have different ideas about how this war should be fought and what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. And those differences are going to maybe like change the way people feel about each other and change the way the characters respond to each other. And I think that that's really natural and organic and, again, a really cool choice because you don't get a lot of that in YA. And that's part of what I really love about the book is the fact that the characters actually do change drastically in this last book. Yeah. Um, let me see. What else do I have here? I really wanted more Woody Harrelson in yeah. this movie. Um, I wrote at one point. I wrote down, "Where's Woody?" Yeah, uh, because he's just he's just so fucking great in these movies, and uh, he disappears for most of the middle of this movie. Um, and I was really sad about that. Well, he's drying. He's out. drying out That's somewhere. Said, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> um, I also I will admit that I was really sick of hear just hearing the word Mockingjay like by halfway through the movie just like in the first movie where it's like if they said may the odds be ever in your favor one more time I was gonna like <laughs> gouge my own ears out with spoons like I, I don't want to be your Mockingjay she needs to be the Mockingjay we here comes the Mockingjay like she's our Mockingjay I'm just so sick of hearing oh, those people, those are Mockingjays oh god I just did not want to hear the word Mockingjay like ever again um and then I part of it I think is I've never really been on board with this franchise's goofy naming conventions where like everyone has names that sound kind of like real world real real words but different like his name's not peter he's PETA, and like i i felt there was no need for them to create a new term for the fact that he was brainwashed like i know you were talking about this last night you call him he's hijacked he wasn't brainwashed he was hijacked it's like Oh, okay, but then they have to explain to her what it means. Like, basically, it's like he was brainwashed. But like, my argument for okay. that is twofold. Why one, do you just fucking say one, brainwashed? it involves Tracker Jacker Venom, yeah. which is why they call it hijack. By the way, Tracker Jacker, every time I exactly. hear word, you know what I think of every single time? Cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like Cracker Jack? Yes! yes. Exactly. <laughs> But Jabber Jays second, and Mocking Jays and Cracker Jackers. Jabber like, I don't want anything to do with any no, of that No, but shit. second... I don't think it is the same as brainwashing because brainwashing is like social conditioning over time. This was like, let us really go into your brain, inject it full of crap so that we totally rewire the way your brain actually functions and what your memories actually yeah. are. This was like neuroscience. Well, I was going to say, and this totally is a totally different sort of thing. And this is what gets back, what we started talking about this earlier, um, about the idea of like the passage of time in this movie. Because they sort of present it as this thing like, oh, well, basically he's been brainwashed. Like, yeah, that's something that typically you do – excuse me. That's something you typically do over weeks or months of time because you have to, like, break down these associations and these walls. And here it's like, well, he was given an interview. He was on TV one day, and then, like, two days later they rescued him, and now he's been – his brain has been completely rewired. So – and, like, we said earlier, you know, the the only real thing that denotes the passage of time in this movie is how – thin and gaunt Peter gets over the course of the movie um so that it feels like yeah it's probably been like two months or something like that but it feels like it's been two weeks um and even between that last broadcast and when they actually show him and he flips out he's even thinner so yeah they probably were actually in that bunker for like 
you know, days and days and days, even Which, though it feels yeah, like they were just the there overnight. No, yeah. In the book, it is clear that they are down in that bunker for a long time. Oh, yeah. I assume in the oh, movie, yeah. it's I like overnight. They, I oh, assume no. they came back on the Oh, no. Like, the they're next in that day. bunker for a long time. Yeah. So I think there's like a weird thing with the passage of time in this movie. They, because they it's don't not know when it'll very be clear. safe to come up. Yeah. So they, and like a lot of the Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, the, 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 the raid squadron team. Right, but they, well, no, they weren't gone very long. But okay. he's saying between the bombing, people oh, well, while the bunker's getting bombed, and they got bombed. And, oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they launch yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. rescue mission. Like in the movie, it seems like the very next day, right. you know. But in the book, they're in that bunker after the bombing for a while. Oh, okay. Um, and, and that's the other, and that was the other thing that threw me was again because he's like he's so helpful, like he's he's clearly not terrified of her or like violent towards her because he sees her in the video while he's on tv he sees her broadcast cut in and he fucking warns her so it's like clearly this happened like very quickly um although i guess it really was weeks even though it didn't feel like weeks in the movie so that's one of the things that i really wish they could have you know straightened out and i think you said it last night when we were talking about this they literally could have just had a throwaway line oh man it's good to get out of this bunker it's been three weeks or whatever like oh i couldn't be in that bunker any one more minute you know like it, one one word line of dialogue could have written the whole thing away, and it would have been fine with it. So, uh, the other the only other thing that I wrote down here is um, well, actually, there's, so there's two things. The first is uh, uh, and Jamie and I, you guys don't watch uh, Bart. You don't watch Doctor Who yet. Well, but there's, I, I got most of the way through the first season, which I know you need to break yeah, into the fine. second season. I know, and I will. There's I will. that, I'll like, there. rhythmic chanting through the movie, uh, like, while she's walking around shit. Like, oh, God. I actually really like when, she, when they first drop her off at 12 and she sees that, like, field of Road corpses of, yeah. like Scottish. that's a great shot that's some terminator 2 shit right because she's alone it yeah. Works. yeah yeah um but there's this like chanting song throughout the movie and it's like it's seriously it's like sing song yeah it's like two notes off of a uh, chanting song the from doctor song. who yeah the yeah. ood song They're in doctor who your sleep, ood song. which is like it gets used a lot and it gets used in like really important episodes very like very emotional moments. scenes yeah it's like all i can hear i kept waiting for like just like if the next two notes drop down like three steps like that's all then it's the doctor who song so i couldn't not hear it in my head uh, just like i couldn't see watch any scene in which they got on one of those like hover planes and not think of shield yeah and not think man nick fury is going to be pissed when he finds out they stole one of his quinjets yeah like it's crazy i mean i don't you said they were like they're just described as hovercrafts in the book right yeah because yeah. the design is like it's Shuck. exactly like a fucking quinjet it's like hard not to see it so it seems weird that you know shield was out i mean marvel was out and about by then so i don't i don't know man i can't figure that shit out mm. um well like i think we're i think we're i think we're at that time heart of the ghostbusters so well wait 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 before we do that think... should we talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman at all i mean i think yeah i i thought there was going to be less of him I was I, think, I was surprised they had that much footage. I don't think we're going to get much. I'll, of him in I the was going to say I'll wonder how much of him they have in the second one because that was because it seemed like every key moment where you really needed his character, he, he was there. Yeah. So and if I remember correctly, he died pretty early into filming. See, I so feel I like it was the if, opposite. I don't know if they just got very lucky in terms of the order they happened to shoot things or what, but I feel like when is a the, bad word, obviously, yeah, no. but you know what I mean. I feel like when that happened, uh, I remember reading because they were, they were shooting, and I feel like, if 
if memory serves, I feel like they said, like, we actually were pretty, he was almost shot out, like, okay. I think he only had, like, a couple days of shooting well, left, maybe they had so. shot it in that order on purpose to try to, like, get rid of people that they wouldn't need yeah, the whole yeah. time. Like, obviously, you're gonna need Jennifer Lawrence and, like, Josh Hutcherson and, and stuff, like, the whole time, so it's like, let's shoot out everybody else as fast as we can. Yeah, I don't know. But I think, I think he was mostly done with the movie at that point, um... So yeah, I expect, but I expect we we won't get much of him in the next one. So I'm um, sure right he did the best acting in the whole thing. Yeah, period. I, well, I think it's interesting. We were talking about this with uh, with our friend Jeff last night. Uh, that you know, it's a it's a pretty sharp redefinition of that role. Is it? I mean, um, I have no idea. Well, well no, no, I know no, just no, from, from the second movie to the fire. third movie. Where in the second oh. movie he gets to be kind of devious and he's sort of playing on a bunch well, of different but, levels. Well, yeah, here's yeah, a yeah. question since Bart, you hadn't seen the second one until fairly recently yeah. because obviously I went into the second one having already read the book. Were you at any point on the fence about his loyalty in the second one? Because I feel like the movie makes it pretty obvious that he's on her side from the very beginning. And so I always wondered how that I was thought... to someone who hadn't read the book. I was I surprised. Thought was, so what I, thought I thought it was very clear from the beginning. No, it wasn't. What, what, I thought what it was... Appeared, I was surprised. What I wasn't sure when they were at the, the banquet thingy mm-hmm. and they were dancing. I was not sure. And I was what I was trying to figure out was whether... I mean, I could tell that something was going on, yeah. but I couldn't tell... Which I couldn't tell whether he was playing her or playing Donald Sutherland. I knew he was playing somebody, but I think he worked it well enough that I couldn't. I wasn't totally sure. Well, and in the okay. second one, there isn't. It just seemed like when he says like maybe you're the reason I came back. Like I know you could interpret that as like I came down to I came back to bring you down yeah. or something. But then also like the way he keeps putting Snow off. Like whenever Snow's like I just want to kill her, and he's like no 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 no. And he always like has a reason why they shouldn't kill her and stuff. It just I always wondered. I was like, for people who haven't read the book, like where do they think he's? See, I, I that worked for me it because for me he's specifically he is a game maker. Yeah. So it was he's like, oh no, with people. Yeah, exactly. He likes to mani- like pull the strings as opposed to Wes Bentley, who was just like a guy with a weird beard. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I actually bought that as like a character, like a character element yeah. of him. Like, no, 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 he likes to figure out puzzles and like you know pull the strings and play with the big picture yeah so i bought that as just like a part of his personality and i also think the second one until she actually gets in the games and it becomes clear like oh no a bunch of people are like working for her and remember who the real enemy is and all that shit it doesn't feel like there are all all kinds of traitors in the capital feels like anyone who's in the capital is like they're well off so they're probably like you know on board with the capital so the idea of a traitor being that high up like I, I that that caught me off guard at the end of the movie. Did it? Let's do Heart of the Ghostbusters. I uh, refuse to go first. You refuse to go first, Bartholomew. Do you have a Heart of the Ghostbusters? Beatty, Be- wheelchair guy. Hell yeah, Aww. he's awesome. Wheel- he's awesome. Be- Beatty's, Beatty's, Beatty's awesome. Beatty's great. Um, uh, he's I, cute I and he's like funny mm-hmm. and just makes cool stuff. I would have liked a little more. Like I, I guess I. It's cool that he's just like he's just in a wheelchair now. I feel like I didn't get what happened to him that put him in a wheelchair well, or if he no, was like permanently in injured or... remember right when yeah, yeah no he got electrocuted and shit tree, yeah, yeah. no no he got electrocuted and shit i saw that so he, i'm he just got saying blown backwards so right. he broke his spine or something when he got blown backwards i, no, I just would have liked some uh, someone to address the fact that he was now in a wheelchair because he wasn't before you know um i just as, like the fact that it just becomes an unspoken thing is fine i guess i would have just liked to have somebody say something about it um, but yeah, no, he's great. I mean, Jeffrey Wright is Jeffrey amazing. Jeffrey Wright's awesome. In it. Jeffrey Wright is always I would awesome. I totally want to have a drink with Jeffrey. Well, not with with, with Beatty. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like halfway through the night, he'd make something awesome. <laughs> 
out of a cocktail napkin yeah, and a swizzle just, stick. Just MacGyver something right? cool. Yeah. So there. there I'm done. Uh, Jamie? In this movie specifically, yes. like confining it only to this movie, mm-hmm. even though it seems ironic to say I want to go for a drink with this person, Hamish. <laughs> like, you enabler. It can be a You're glass a of water. It can be a glass of water. But he seems, if possible, even snarkier in his dried out state. Yeah. Like, he's just so annoyed with everyone. And I feel like he is still just as on top of things. Like, the way he knows exactly how to fix the propaganda pieces, the way he, like, gets everyone to listen to him, the way he sorts everything out, the way he's still just Hamish. Like, I just, I love him. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, I'm going to go... I wanted. To, I was thinking about going with Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, who because he's, he's he's so great. he's so great. He's great. Um, but I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with the dark horse here. You go um, with Joanna because you have a huge crush on Jenna Malone. No, I'm not going to do that uh, because she, like I said, she only has one scene in this movie. Um, and that, it's not even a scene. She has one shot in that, this movie. That is irrelevant. That has never. No. That screen time has never been an element. No, hard to go. That's true. But I save, but, save that one maybe for the second. Exactly. One. No, I feel like she's going to get. I want. I'm, she's going to get better stuff to do. <laughs> so uh, no, you know who I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, and I don't remember her character's name. But uh, the the director who shoots all the propos. Oh, Cressida. Um, yeah, sure. Natalie um, Dormer. Natalie Dormer, who I, I love Natalie Dormer. I think she's, she's pretty awesome. She's wonderful and everything. She's on Game of Thrones. She's great in, in really everything. Um, and I, I, I don't know why, but something about her, like the fact that she was like a capital, you know, filmmaker or something, and now she's doing this. Uh, she's got her weird half a shaved head with tattoos. Um, she seems like totally comfortable, like out in the field, like um, with shit exploding. Uh, but also like has that whole sort of media literacy thing going on. She feels, she feels kind of like an Emerson grad to me. Yeah. <laughs> she feels like she, she totally she went to Emerson. Behaved, she kind of behaved like an Emerson grad. I know. Um, so I feel like I get that person. Like I want to, I want to hang out with that person and hear her like crazy. She didn't crazy... have and giant glasses. She didn't, that's true. She, <laughs> she wasn't wearing skinny jeans and uh, chain smoking on the front steps of the building. Yeah, um, <laughs> kicked her right out. <laughs> but uh, but no, I feel like she's got like cool stories galore, and uh, and yeah, and plus she's got like that that whole film crew like oh, concept was awesome. very interesting. Eldon cool. Henson as the like non speaking like oh, yeah, which we didn't really talk about. They finally introduced the Avoxes. It took three movies, I guess. Before yeah. they were just no pun intended silently in the background. Like now that you know they exist, if you watch for them, you'll yeah. see them. Like they tried to symbolically do it in the first two. Like all the servants in the training center and stuff mm-hmm. are always in the background with their heads down, and usually with something symbolic like tape over their like like not like they're wearing masks in the second one and the masks have like tape x's on them and stuff like that um but it took you know three movies but they finally introduced the fact that the capital cuts the tongues out of people they don't particularly like i just always them be servants i just always like when a mighty duck shows up in a movie so uh (laughs) it's nice to see fulton reed um doing his weird sign language thing like his weird fake sign language um, but yeah, I liked, I really liked all of that, all of that shit. And Natalie Dormer is great. I also, I, I have to say, I also kind of liked, uh, the head of security guy who just sort of oh, like hangs out uh, with them. Freaking Remy. Remy Danton. Yeah. Remy Danton. Yeah. I thought that guy was great. You, um, you guys haven't seen that yet. What? He plays a prominent role in, uh, in House of Cards. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, we haven't yet. done that yet. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that actor. Uh, and you know, again, he's got that kind of steely reserve thing going on, but, uh, I feel like I feel like that dude has stories also. 
Um, I mean, at the very least, he's been in this fucking bunker his no, whole no, life. No, and... no, no, no. Have a drink with that with him as Remy Danton. Not him <laughs> as this guy. Okay. No, come on. He paid That's for fair. everything. And... <laughs> he's, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think that probably just about wraps it up for Hunger Games here. Um, we got one more, one more Hunger Games to go. We got to wait another year for this franchise to wrap itself up. Uh, but you know, well, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Like I said, I'm hoping for some full on fucking guerrilla warfare like rebellion shit in the last one. That's what I really wanted from this one. I was sad I didn't get it. So hopefully I get it in the last one. Um, uh, next week, you get more random Latin names. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like just just in case you were wondering about if there's a commentary on. Just saying. Uh, next week, uh, I, look, we're at the, it's Thanksgiving week, so, uh, we're Can at the end. Can we please go see Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas? Can no. that be our movie for that next That is week? not happening. I am not giving that man money in any form. Damn. Um, we are, but it's the end of, end of November, beginning of December. We are now in end of the year Oscar territory. Uh, you know, move, studios are trying to throw their movies out in the last couple of weeks of the year to make them Oscar eligible. So, um, I think the thing we should see next week uh and i don't i don't think it's actually been playing around here yet but it'll it hits boston uh this coming week is uh fox catcher uh yeah. channing tatum steve carell the boxing one, right? crazy weird mm-hmm. drama wrestling wrestling yeah um, true story yeah mark ruffalo true story crazy fucking weird so uh i i'm really really excited about it uh and that that plays the coolidge this week so uh, i think we should try and uh find a time to do fox catcher um, we've also, you know, otherwise we have to do horrible bosses too. Um, which, have to. which like, I'd, Get be, to. I'd be okay with, I guess I kind of like that first I movie. I love I didn't the, see first the first one. one. Yeah. Didn't it's, see it. it's, it's and pretty funny. I am excited funny. for Psycho Chris Pine in the second one. That's fair. How also Christoph Waltz. I'm excited about Chris Pine and Christoph Waltz. Better? Psycho Chris Pine. I'm okay with That's that. That's how you make the first one even better. Also, the Imitation Game also comes out with yep. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Alan Turing. I'm excited for that one too. So it's it's like I said it's very much we're we're in Oscar bait season now. I got to track down a, a screening of uh, Theory s- of Everything too. I want to see that one also. So we have survived the doldrums yeah. of fall. Indeed, we are now in serious movie time. So I know all the fun movies are gone. Yeah, so summer's over. Yeah, that's the serious stuff. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we have left to go for the year. But hopefully next week, uh, Foxcatcher uh, and or Horrible Bosses too. Um, well, uh, thank you guys for joining me on the show as always you guys are uh, a pleasure jamie our resident uh, hunger games expert here um, and film scholar and film scholar Thank um <laughs> uh, we've had fun talking i hope you've had fun listening have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow